book of John, chapter 6, verses 60 to 71, which can be found on page 866 of the Church Bible. So I'll just do a quick prayer before we start. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning where we can come together to grow in your word and worship you. I just pray that you speak speak to us through your word and through the message that will be preached today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back, turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. It's the word of God. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Well, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's start. John chapter 6 opens with a large crowd following Jesus in verse 2 and closes with only 12 men with him and one of them is not even saved in verses 70 to 71. Let's take a quick look at why the number of Jesus' followers suddenly shrunk so dramatically. Verse 2 tells us that the crowd was attracted to Jesus because of the signs of healing. In verse 26, Jesus commanded that they were seeking after him because of free food, just like Asian. (laughs) (laughs) They thought that Jesus was a special prophet that was sent by God in verse 14 and wanted to make him king. But he withdrew to the mountains in verse 15. When the crowd found him, he tried to encourage them to seek after the food that endures for eternal life in verse 27. Jesus told them that he was the bread of life that came down from heavens in verses 33, 35. He invited them to come and believe in him in verse 35. The crowd reacted by complaining and rejecting Jesus' claim in verses 41 and 43. Jesus concluded his great message on the bread of life in the synagogue at Cabernet on a very offensive note, talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood in verses 54 and 55. Many of his disciples were disturbed by his word and stopped following following him in verse 66. Now let's unpack this morning's passage. 
dropping out. In verse 60, Jesus' disciples said among themselves, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? This phrase means that what they have heard is hard to tolerate, not that it is hard to understand. They were not saying that what Jesus was Jesus said was incomprehensible. Rather, they were saying that Jesus' words were unacceptable. We verified this understanding by looking at Jesus' response. Jesus did not say, did I say something too difficult for you to comprehend? Jesus said, does this offend you? Jesus' teaching was not too hard. The problem was that they did not want to receive it. Please note that those who were grumbling was not merely the Jews in the synagogue. They were his disciples, followers of Jesus who would not accept what he was teaching. Jesus was requiring more of his disciples than they were willing to give. Jesus knew that his disciples were grumbling about his teaching. Once again, Jesus did not simplify his message, but instead called for his audience to have a deeper faith. If his audience could not handle him being the bread of life, sent by the Father from heaven, then how much more difficult it would be for them to handle it if Jesus were to speak about his pre-existence. What if they were to see Jesus return to the position that he formerly had? Jesus was speaking about his ascension and glorifications. Back to his eternal throne in verse 62. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If they could not consider him as their only bread, they could never consider him as God in flesh who would be returning back to his throne. Being a disciple of Jesus is more than casually looking for him and eating what he gives. Remember that this was how this crowd formed. They saw the miracle and they had come looking for Jesus the next day so that they could be fed again. Discipleship is not about just saying that we are followers or belonging to a group. Just because you say that you are a Christian and just because you attend a church does not make you a true believer and the disciples of Jesus. Jesus does not accept a superficial following of him. Jesus expects faith, obedience, and trusting in him in the face of difficulties. Jesus is the only answer for your life. People will not accept that Jesus is all you need. Even people who claim to be Christian cannot see their idolatry elevating things of this world so that they honor and serve those things instead of seeing Jesus as the true bread of 
their lives. Next, Jesus' word are spirit and life. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 63. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words of Jesus are what brings the life in spirit to you. Jesus teaches that the spirit gives life. Jesus explains that the spirit is giving life to us through his words and teachings. We cannot underestimate the power of the words of Jesus. Jesus and his words alone gives life. The words of Jesus are the vehicle of the transformation of the heart that gives us life and spirit. Work of the Father. In verse 64, Jesus pointed out that those who drew back were the ones who really did not believe. He knew from the beginning who were the ones that did not believe and those and who was the one that would betray him. And he said in verse 65, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. We saw this in the preceding verses where Jesus said that no one could come to me uh, unless the Father draws him. Verses 44 and 45 say, No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the fathers comes to me. Verse 65 reminds us back to what we learned in verse 44. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father. And in verse 29 says, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus explained what this meant in verse 45. They shall all taught by God. God's word works on your heart and draw you to Christ. You do not come to faith on your own power, but by the power of the word of God. Verse 64 says, Jesus knew from the beginning who would be the one that would betray him. Judas was the betrayer, and he heard all the same messages from Jesus and saw all the same miracles from Jesus. What made him different from the rest of the apostles? He did not allow himself to be taught by God. He was hard-hardened. He was hard-hearted, and the teaching of Jesus did not change him. How easy it is to not allow the words of Jesus to transform our hearts and transforms our lives. We can listen and listen to the words of Christ, but it does absolutely nothing to us. It is so sad to see this. But it happens absolutely. 
regularly. Therefore, we end up without true saving faith, not enjoying Jesus as the bread of life, and remind, uh, remain lost in our sins. Respond of many disciples. Verse 66 tells us, because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. When people obey the truth they see, then they will be taught more truth. But scriptures warns that if they resist the truth, then they lose the capacity to see and to hear anymore. It, this is a problem that Jesus is talking about here. You do not allow yourself to be drawn along of the Father into more and more truth until you come to the fullness of life. Our Lord once put it this way. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. That is Mark chapter 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 25, and Luke chapter 19, verse 26. This is the tragedy that befalls many. Thus we read about the departure of many of Jesus' disciples after his teaching. They had gone as far as they would go. These who drew back, uh, these who drew back were unwilling to seek further. Listen to the sad reality. In verse 66, because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. The point is not that the world did not respond. The point is that many of his disciples turned back. Many of his disciples did not walk with him any longer. Those who are fair where the followers will gladly praise him as long as he delivers. Fair where the followers of Jesus focus on the temporal, on the material, and on themselves. While they were explaining what they wanted, Jesus was busy trying to get them to see what they needed. So, finally, they left. Reaction of the twelve. After the crowd left, Jesus immediately turned to the twelve disciples in verse 67 and asked if they wanted to leave also. Peter's answer was a wonderful statement of faith. Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Verses 68 and 69. Where else are we supposed to go? This is no one else to go to. And there is no one else to go to. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Listening to Jesus is everything. No one else can satisfy like Jesus. Life is not found anywhere else. True disciples understand this. No matter how challenging Jesus can be, 
There is nowhere else to go. Jesus is the Holy One of God. Jesus is our only hope. The others have been offended by Jesus' word, but the twelve accepted Jesus' claim that his word were life and spirit. They did not claim to have understood that they did not claim to have understood what Jesus had been saying. They would not be able to understand until after the crucifixion had taken place and the Spirit had guided them into all truth regarding Jesus and all that he had gone uh, had done and taught. But they did recognize that Jesus is speaking from God. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Verse 68. The verse translated believe and know are the perfect tense, which often suggests a state that began in the past and continues to the present. This new ones fits this context. St. Peter stands in contrast to those who, or those attracted to Jesus by the feeding miracles, were leaving because of the difficult teaching. The twelve came to faith in Jesus some time ago and have hung in with him since then, including to this most recent challenge to their faith by his strange teaching. The title, the Holy One of God, signifies the person that God is set apart from all others. When Peter proclaimed that we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God, it signifies that Peter believed what Jesus had claimed to be. He is the bread of life which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In three occasions, verses 33, 35, and 41. Someone said that the best definition of a Christian is someone who cannot quit. I have found this to be true of real Christians. Those who continue always feel this way about Jesus. They know their own failures their own weaknesses. They know that despite the many times they do not understand what is happening to them, yet they cannot leave. Here is a wonderful statement of what these disciples were seeing in Jesus. In Christ, we have a love that can never be fathomed, a life that can never die, a righteousness that can never be punished, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished, a hope that can never be disappointed, a glory that can never be crowded, a light that can never be darkened, a happiness that can never be interrupted, a strength that can never be enfeebled, a purity that can never be defiled, 
a beauty that can never be marred, a wisdom that can never be buffered, and resources that can never be exhausted. If you have found Jesus to be like that, where else can you go? Who else can measure up to that? This is the testimony of those who walk with him and follow him. Now, Judas, son of Simon, is correct. Notice that Peter said, we, in verse 69. By that he meant the twelve. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus corrected that saying, No, Peter, did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judah, son of Simon, his courage. For he, for he, though one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Verses 70 to 71. The sixth chapter of Luke records the story of Jesus praying all night long before he chose his disciples. Out of the hundreds who were following, following him, he prayed by the Father's wisdom to select the ones who would be closest to him, the ones whom he would be he who give himself to, to train and develop for the work which would reach around the world and through the ages. Jesus knew of the weaknesses of Judas's life, his character feelings, and so on. And he prayed over him and yet chose him. It was the will of the Father that one among the apostolic band should betray him. This passage also speaks of human responsibility. In a chapter that so strongly affirms the necessity of divine initiative, here we have another note regarding the importance of faith. Even Jesus' choice for someone to be a member of the inner circle of disciples is not going to save that person unless one has faith. We are not saved by faith, but neither are we saved without it. Judas had most intimate access to Jesus. He had one of the best seats in the house of seeing God revealed in the flesh, but he lacked humble trust and love for Jesus as Jesus actually was. This thought is very sobering. In light of much false optimism among Christians today, the human heart is capable of seeing God in his great beauty and of rejecting him. Indeed, all of us are capable of such betrayal, as our sins testifies. What is our inner dispositions? Have we found in Jesus the Holy One of God who has the words of eternal life? Do we actually live our life as those who believe this truth? 
Have we met God in such a way that we can trust his character even when we do not understand his words and deeds? Some application and challenges to us. First, quality, not quantity. It is remarkable how little emphasis God puts upon numbers in the Bible in contrast with the tremendous emphasis on numbers in the church today. That was how our Lord worked in Cabernet. Quantity does not interest him. It is quality that makes the difference. Jesus is issuing a call to commitment. He knows that many of his followers are merely there for what they can get for their flesh. Jesus challenges the call and calls for his followers to commit to him and to him alone. His call to commitment has a twofold outcome. First, it clarifies his call, his mission and his ministry for those who would follow him. Second, it purifies the ranks of his disciples, effectively weeding out most of those who are not genuine in their faith or commitment. Second, some want the experience but not expectation. These people were following Jesus because he has satisfied their fleshly appetites. They wanted more of the same. They were looking for something that satisfied their flesh and that make him make them feel good about themselves. They wanted an experience. They wanted to following the next king. They wanted the miracles and sensational. But when Jesus began to talk about his expectation and issue a call for commitment. They turn away from him and walk away. Why? They wanted to carry it, to be carried away in the excitement of the moment with no commitment. Are we any difference today? What is it that we want from Jesus? It seems that the same mentality has developed within the church. Well, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has sure been a big seller for Christianity over the past few decades. There are many today who want a religious experience, but without expectations. They want entertainment, and excitement without the commitment that comes along with the proclamations of the truth. The churches that are growing the fastest today are those who minimize biblical doctrine, the requirements of the faith, and place their emphasis on entertainment and experience. Third, difficult doctrines. I have discovered that this is frequently true of those who drop out of church. They are bothered 
when difficult doctrines are taught. For instance, some feel uneasy about the doctrines of election. How can God draw us and yet give us free will? Others struggle over the doctrine of God's providential sending of difficult things, hardships, disasters, and so on. What kind of God do we have to put, uh, who puts us through this kind of testing? They ask. Unless God smooth their pathway, they do not want anything to do with him. The Jew rejected Jesus because of his claim. So it is today. Many are opposed to the truths of the Bible and the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls to commitment. His call to commitment goes against their desire to live for, him, for self. And as a result, they find themselves in oppositions to the Lord. Friends, the claim of the gospel, the cross, and the blood of Jesus are designed to be offensive. They are hard truths in God's word and must be submitted. That must be submitted to even if we, uh, you don't understand and like them. To submit to hard truths, we often must go against our cultural and religious backgrounds by confronting our preconceived ideas. Not everyone can handle the truth. Sometimes the truth is tough. Sometimes the truth makes demands upon our lives. Sometimes the truth is brutal and seems unfeeling. But the truth is always true. It is always right and it is always perfect. No, not everyone can handle the truth. Can you? Lastly, three groups of disciples. Notice that there are three groups of disciples in this morning passage. There are those who will not stay with Jesus all the way and drop out. Then there are those who cannot live no matter what happens. They have seen too much. They have heard too much. They have realized that, realized who he is. Finally, there is one who has never really come, but he will not live. And that is the problem. In any congregation, they are probably representative of these three groups. Some have started well, but will drop out. They will not want to be bothered with studying and searching and understanding. But there are others who will never leave. They cannot quit. They have found too much. They have learned too much of life. They have been ministered to and fed and strengthened by the Lord Jesus. They know the comfort of his presence. They can never give him up. There are some who want to stay with Jesus for their own purposes. 
They want to appear to be a Christian, but they are not. They are only out for themselves. They want to use God. They are the ones who will betray Jesus. In this closing moment, let us all quietly bow and contemplate to which group do I belong. So now I invite you to spend a minute of silence before our chairperson come up again and before we continue our service. <laughs>